you please continue? If you haven't prayed, if you've been praying, please continue. They're in a very radical place right now called Jimma. And um, remember, Eric really asked us to pray for them this weekend. It's uh, heavy, heavy. Well, the entire nation is predominantly Muslim, 96.7% or something like that. Don't hold me to that. It's really close. But um, they're there to encourage the church planters. Uh, we support two church planters there. We also support another couple there. Um, and so anyway, just how many of you would pray for them this week? Praise God. Thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. I want to thank the Harris City Group and men's, the men's God's Tenacious Warriors. Uh, if you're a guest, uh, you don't know this, but you know we have a new facility, a new campus that we're remodeling, and uh, it's going awesome. I stopped by there Friday, and uh, just what's going on there is incredible. There was two groups on Wednesday night that served there, the Harris Group and the God's Tenacious Warriors, and I just want to thank you for serving. Um, the, the time of serving, if you want to get involved, is Wednesday from 5 to 8 and Saturday from 9 to noon. So if you'd like to get involved with that, please, really honestly, all you got to do is show up. Uh, there's plenty of stuff to do, and there's many things that's going on there at the new campus, and, and it's way exciting. I uh, saw on the, on the news, I think it was Friday that I saw this gentleman, his name Joe Kennedy from Bremington. Does that ring a bell with anyone, Joe Kennedy from Bremington? He was a football coach, or he is a football coach, and after every game for the past nine years, he's prayed with his team until Friday. And I guess he got called on the carpet. He didn't know that in any form or fashion that he was breaking the law or doing anything wrong. And uh, they interviewed a, a gentleman with a big A on his shirt right here. Um, it was kind of like a pin on his coat, and it stood for atheism. And uh, I guess this guy was really, really challenged that he couldn't do that. And now it was on Friday, and he says, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do because this is what I've always done. And it just reminded me as Christians how we're living in a day and time where uh, I think we all need to be all in. Would you high-five your neighbor right now and say, all in? The question, the question to answer during this series that I presented to you last week and I present to you this weekend, the question is, have you pushed all of your chips in the middle? When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to following Christ, have you? I, I can't judge that. I think you judge it. I think God judges it. Have you pushed? Have you personally went all in with your chips. Why all in? You think that all in is something that God needs you to do? Or is all in something actually that is going to benefit you? I think all in is something that will absolutely bless your life. I mean, think about it. God doesn't need us really. He's chosen to need us. But he's all powerful and he's all knowing. When a person becomes born again, you're born again to push the chips all in. If you want to live life to its fullness and be fully alive, I think there's a place where a person must go all in. And uh, 
I began to challenge us with this last weekend and challenging myself, even as I study this, even as I was studying this on Wednesday. I felt my teeth get loose from just me kicking my own teeth in. And it's very, very challenging with this whole issue and this whole theme of being all in. Jesus, he shared these different scriptures with us. I think Jesus, he went all in for me and you. How many of you know that? He didn't, he didn't hold back any chips. You can really follow a person and, and see his values, not by this. You watch a person and their walk will show their values, not their talk. And Jesus' values lined up with his walk. He lived it, but he also died for it, which is absolutely amazing. And he simply asked us to do one thing. It's simple but not easy. Will you push your chips in the way that he did? You read these writings in Matthew 16.24. Share just a few scriptures. It says this in Matthew 16.24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Will you say himself? So I, I, I just think that you should know by the Holy Spirit that he's talking to you today. He's not talking to the person on the left or the right or behind you or in front of you. He's talking to you individually. Amen. Good preaching, J.O. I don't like it, but... Let him deny himself and take up his cross. See, your cross may look different from that, but we each got a cross that we're to lift and take up every day. And follow me, Matthew 10, 39. He who finds his life will lose it. Kingdom of God is upside down. Is it different? Radically different. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. John 12, 25. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Matthew 4, 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Is these scriptures radical? I think when you read them out and you just read them all in a line, they sound pretty radical. But when it comes down to it, to the New Testament church, the church that was birthed in Acts, the disciples that walked with Jesus, these wasn't radical at all. These are actually the norm for the Christian life. It's the norm for the followers of Jesus. Uh, I want to do like an interruption just for a moment. Jordan's got these and maybe some others got these. Last Sunday, thank you, last Sunday I was looking at the City Interns Bible reading plan and uh, I thought, man, this is a little bit different. I began reading it last Sunday, September the 13th, and it began with Romans 1 and 2. And I did this this week, and I tell you what, if you want a absolutely fresh touch on your daily devotions and reading the Word, I've done for years this little thing that I created called the Passionate Four. But this is breaking up the Word of God in, in seven different areas. One is the epistles, the law, the history, the Psalms, the poetry, the prophecy, and the Gospels. And every day... It's really cool because, like, 
uh, Sunday, I, I read Romans, but then Monday, I read Genesis, and then Tuesday, I read Joshua, Wednesday, Psalms, uh, Thursday, Job, Isaiah on Friday, uh, Saturday was Matthew 1 and 2. This morning, I read Romans chapter 3. And so, even though coming to church 52 weekends out of the year and reading the Word of God every day doesn't answer the question, are you all in, I believe it's a beautiful, beautiful dis discipline that Jesus encourages us in, that I think Jesus did, and he wants us to walk in. How many of you believe in the Word of God, the flawless Word of God, the living Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, the Word of God? So I decided to do this today. I invite you to join uh, the journey with me and the interns in, in reading through the Bible. Don't try to catch up from last week. Just, just start Sunday, today. Um, September the 20th, Romans 3 and 4. If you would like that, Jordan's got probably some of the longest legs in the church. He's going to run to you. If you like that, would you raise your hand? We got people running to you right now. Thank you. Can we give it up for our interns? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful group of folks. Hey, Jay, there's people upstairs too. So if we run out of cards, guess what? We'll make some next week. I am in... I want you so much to do this this week. I think you're going to be blown away. I was so blessed of the fresh touch that it brought to my daily devotions of reading. Uh, instead of just reading through Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, how many of you know you can just kind of drudge through Leviticus? How, how about all the genealogy? Genealogy is good. I like genealogy. You know why I like genealogy? Because every person counts. Every person, God, loves every individual. So he goes to the genealogy. But, you know, reading those names and kind of hanging out in Leviticus for about a month. You know what I'm saying? And what's so beautiful about this is that it bounces you around and kind of ties it together in a wonderful way. Thank you, interns. I want to pray and we're going to dive into the word. Father, thank you for this time. I ask you to speak to us. Thank you for your word. Lord, heavens and earth may pass away, but not your word. Your word is wonderful. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I pray for every individual who takes your word personal and very, very intimate, that you would touch them this week even as we dive into the word together. It's going to be cool to know that everyone's kind of reading in the same area so I, I just dedicate this time to you and ask that you would anoint this time. You speak to us by your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless our guests today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I began thinking about some of the most beautiful people that I've ever seen, met with, walked with, that I would consider all-in kind of folks. There's a lot of beautiful people in the heart of the city church that are all-in. At least my perception is that they're all-in. There's a group in Mexico, the way southern part of Mexico, there's a state there called Chiapas. Inside of Chiapas, there's a city called San Cristobal. Next to San Cristobal is a place called Tuxla. If you look on the map, it's very, very interesting. Don happens to be taking our interns this year in November to work with them, something that we have supported off and on for years. They're back to school, but it's not back to school. They do this big backpack outreach. Every year they put together 10,000 backpacks 
for the local kids. A backpack in America is way different than a backpack where I'm talking about. Because the backpack there, the people there are absolutely dirt poor. They have supplied 200,000 backpacks and back-to-school supplies for kids in that whole area. It opens up an enormous door to impact cities, villages, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, if you look on the map, you'll see uh, Chiapas, and then you'll see it's tucked in right beside Guatemala. And right across from Guatemala is Honduras, where Don and Debbie will be, Lord willing, planting a church about a year from now, which I think is very cool because the different cultures remind me of each other. I've got to travel there about three or four times. My wife went with me once. We did a, a, a pastor's conference there. And I tell you what, you have to have a paradigm switch in your mind when you talk about a pastor's conference there. You show up, and these, some of these pastors have walked since 2 a.m. in the morning just to get there. They got on the back of a truck, and then they caught a van, then they got a bus, and they're there. And uh, one year... My wife shared with all the women the first time they'd ever had a conference speaker for all the women. So they decided to fast. The reason why they fast was because usually all the ladies are cooking the food, but now they're at the conference, so no one's eating. It's pretty interesting. And I'd be there preaching my guts out. I mean, the hunger of the people there is just amazing. I'd preach my guts out, just soaking through my shirt, sit down just for a few minutes. Greg would come back to me and say, hey, you ready to preach again? I'm like, wow, preach again, I'm through a second sermon, and then they throw video on of other preachers. An amazing hunger for the things of God. I find that they're hungry for God because they're empty of themselves. When you're full of something, sometimes it, not, it makes you not hungry for God. Are you feeling me? When you're full of self, and full of the things of the world, it kind of pushes out the things of God. But whenever you're empty of self and the world, it can really cultivate a hunger for God. They really don't have anything else. And Greg was sharing a couple of stories with me. He was sharing with me just kind of this all-in story of, of this one village where three families went to another village to watch the Jesus film. That's a really big tool there in Mexico through this ministry, the, the Jesus video. And they showed it, and these three families got born again, the entire families. They go back to the village. When they get back to the village, they're met, not in a good way. They're met, and they're said, they're told, we don't want you here any longer, and they burnt down their homes. Two of the families went and lived somewhere else among Christians, rebuilt among Christians, but there was one family that decided to stay there just to sow their life there. Their house got burned down two more times. This was a vicious, persecuted village. But this family stuck it out, and they used these backpacks one year, which gave them great favor when you give something to the kids. Some of the, the rulers and leaders of the village want to get on board because it makes them look good that they're doing something good in the village, and they did that. And after they gave out the backpacks, they shared the gospel. Eighty people gave their life to Christ. And out of the 80 people, one of the guys who had burnt down the homes was one of them that gave their life to Christ. And the, the, just the, the impact of being all in, of how it can absolutely impact our society. 
He told me about another story, Pastor Antonio, from a place called Comatol. And they were trying to establish a mission there outside the city. And, and they went there, and they shared the gospel. They used the backpacks. They shared the gospel in this village where they were trying to establish a mission. Maybe they already had a mission established. I don't think so. It's another village that was heavily persecuted. And if you was to look on the American United States uh, map of the, of, of the martyrs, you would see no persecution in America. You would see no persecution in Mexico or Canada, except in this one place in Mexico, Chiapas, San Cristobal. Massive persecution. People being beat and martyred for the name of Jesus Christ this day. It's amazing. It's like the world doesn't even know about it unless you go there. It's, it's really radical. And so 25 families, when they preached the gospel in this village, 25 families gave their life to Jesus Christ. They noticed, the pastor noticed some rough-looking folks coming out of the mountains. And by the way, they were rough because the pastor left with the crew, the crew, that, uh, the crew that came with them, the crew that came with them. And then they captured the 25 dads, husbands from those 25 families. They captured them, locked them up, beat them, beat them almost to death. They beat one guy unconscious. The pastor heard about it. He tried to get some of the police and officials involved. And if you've ever been in that part of the world, you really don't know who's with you and who's not with you. And he could get no help. So he took eight guys from their church out of Comatol, and they, they went there, and they, they were met with these 25 guys walking down the road and they were bleeding out of their eyes and bleeding out of their nose and bleeding. The one guy didn't get killed. He actually was just beat unconscious. They met them, and these 25, instead of fleeing this village, they decided to go back into this village and continue to live there. And they also used uh, some of the backpacks that some of you have uh, been part of uh, supplying in that part of the world. They used those backpacks again, and they preached the gospel and they've seen a major turnaround in this village. Now, out of that village that was so heavily persecuted, that village now has 22 other missions that they pour into. They have a church now in that village of 300 people. In America, that may not sound like a whole lot. In that part of the world, it's huge. Why? Because of a few people being all in. Are you all in uh, today? I, I want to I talk to you about uh, a guy in just a few minutes that almost was all in. I, I emailed my wife's in California with her sister and actually visited some of my family in a church there. And uh, I, I, I asked her, I says, honey, you know, I feel like we've had some moments of being all in. I don't want to be arrogant. I hope it would encourage people. And, and only God can really judge if we've been all in at times, how many of you find that when you really ask yourself, are you all in, that that's not an easy question to answer? Have you found that out to be the last week or so? I mean, if you took the sermon series, if you took it serious, and you ask yourself, am I all in? I've had people walk up to me and go, that's not very easy to answer. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to answer that. And I think we all are. And... I can't tell you that I want to be all in. I hope that I've pushed my chips in. I hope I'm, I've pushed them in. I hope I'm pushing them in. Uh, I know that it doesn't feel like I'm all in at all times. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Sometimes I'm uh, kicking my own teeth in when I'm studying and preaching, especially this series. 
But I, I want to just share a, a few moments where I felt like could have possibly been all, all in. I remember in 86 I was born again, and then in 88 I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I highly suggest it. I was in college, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now the bars that I had been bouncing in, now I'm preaching the gospel out in front. Things began to change inside my heart and life radically. And I knew that I couldn't stay there. One of my good friends who had, uh, was a Christian with me, that had been on the streets preaching with me, uh, I asked him to come out to California to, to help me drive. We first drove from Kentucky to South Carolina. I told my grandparents goodbye. Then we drove from South Carolina to Eureka, California, 50 straight hours. I remember the sun coming up twice, which is pretty trippy. I went there because my brother lived there and because I was burning the ships. I was burning the past. It was like I had to get out of the life that I was in and start a new life. It was kind of like an all-in moment for me. Once I was in Eureka, I'd been in gyms and bodybuilding, and that was my entire life. I'll give you a little, I think you'll get a little hint of how much it was part of my life. I met my wife at a bodybuilding competition, managed a gym. I asked her to marry me in the parking lot of a gym. So if you just put one, one, one together, you'll figure out real soon that it was a big part of my life. But around 1989, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to give that up. How many of you know that something can be very, very simple but not easy? Very, very simple for me to give up. Easy? No. I remember walking after I gave it up, just surrendered it to Christ. I remember walking by a gym going, I can't even look inside it. How many of you know that God will allow and give you possessions? But if you allow possessions to possess you, we have a problem, Houston. How many of you know that God will give you things and bless you? But how many of you know they, he doesn't want them to turn into idols in your life? Not a person, not a people, not a business, not a money. I don't usually see a lot of people with their head twisting off, demon-possessed, foaming out the mouth, manifesting. But I do run into people who are possessed by possessions. And if that's you today, I just encourage you. I remember finally pushing that in and the freedom that it brought me. I remember how I felt. I remember my eyes being open into everything that I had missed for so many years because it so possessed my life. Don't allow your possessions to possess you. Later on in our, our life, we got married in 1990, had beautiful kids. We're a youth pastor in Boise, Idaho at Capital Christian Center. One of my good friends there, Pastor Ken Wild. I have an amazing job. We just bought our dream home. We're there. We look at each other and we know that God has spoken to us to give it all up and to move to Vancouver, Washington to help my pops in the Lord in a church plant. We still put our put a sign in the front yard, seller by owner, packed up our stuff in a semi-tractor trailer, drove to Vancouver, Washington, showed up at a Fred Meyer parking lot, 
I thought we were going to be living with Pastor Bob and his family. He lets me know on the way or the day before, hey, J.O., you're going to be living with another family. I'm like, I don't even know this family, man. Me and my wife and kids move into a house, move into a room, move into a room with a family we don't even know. It was another one of those moments where we felt like maybe we pushed all the the chips in. We've bought six and a half acres, lived in a mobile home, 1969 mobile home. My my son thought it was cool because it was metal and it had wheels. (laughs) We lived in that. Didn't have, oh, by the way, I don't know if I told you, I didn't have a job. Lived for about three three years just traveling, preaching, revival service, youth camps, painting, construction, you name it, I was doing it. I traveled as a director of Eternity Play, on and on and on. I want to let you know that it wasn't always easy, but God did something so beautiful inside of our heart in the area of living by faith. In the area. How many of you know that Jesus didn't die to make you safe? You better get that out of your mind if you think this Christian walk is all about safe. You need to go back, listen to last week's sermon on how the disciples passed away. Because sometimes it's not always safe. Is it full of adventure? Oh, yeah. Safe? I don't know. But there's something beautiful that happens in the hearts of, of you and I when you do this. Shh. All in. And then maybe our... Latest all-in moment, I hope. Once again, I have to, God's got to judge that. I don't mean to come across arrogantly and say that I'm just all-in. That's not my heart. Um, Nine years ago, a little over nine years ago, we moved to a place called the Promised Land. Do you know where the Promised Land is? is? You're living in it. You're setting in it. You're setting it right now. Moved here with a small group of people to plant a church. Risky. You know what? About 85% of all uh, church plants fail. It's stressful. But you know what? I wouldn't live any other way because there's something beautiful. I want to let you know this morning that you were born again. You're born to live a life of all in. And until you live a life of all in, I think you can have all kind of emotional baggage and all ups and downs and You'll highly benefit yourself when you push the chips in the middle and say, like we sang this morning, I surrender. Come on, ask your neighbor right now, are you all in? Oh, some of you, 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 some of you very scared to do that. Just ask them. (laughs) Ask them. If you don't ask your neighbor, ask yourself, are you all in? I want to talk to you in the closing few minutes of a guy that was... A guy that was almost all in. Almost. You'll find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's called the young, rich leader. A few things that stands out to me about this guy is, number one, he was young. I said that last night at Saturday night service, and I think a single woman just went off on that right there. She went, It's pretty funny. You had to be here. It's pretty cool. He was young, he was rich, and he was powerful. 
What more do you need? Number four, you find out that something was missing in his life. Something was absent. Then you find that in all cases, Jesus was teaching, and then he was blessing. In all three of those Gospels, he was blessing the little children. And the way that I kind of picture this into my mind is Jesus has been preaching, he's been teaching, he's blessing little children, blessing the name of the Lord, and then you got this cocky, young, rich ruler, powerful, that interrupts Jesus. And then I just want to start the dialogue here just for for a few minutes because this guy was almost all in, almost. Matthew 19, 16 through 17 says, Now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I already got an eye problem? I may have eternal life. He said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And this, the next statement that he says to me, really shows his colors. He might be the most religious guy. That's why I named this sermon today, All In, But Not All Religious. There is a huge difference of being all in versus all religious. Look what he says to Jesus. He looks at Jesus and he says, Which ones? What? Like you can any, many, many, mo. The law, 613 laws of the Mosaic law. And Jesus just, I believe, just begins to work with this guy a little bit. James says, hey, if you break one law, you break them all. And Jesus is like, okay, here we go. You you want to roll? Here we go. Jesus says, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father. Honor your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I could just see this guy just having little check, just a little check off, a little check. How many of you know that a list is very safe? How many of you know if I gave you, even though it would be extremely cultish, if I gave you a list? <laughs> bro, you can't wear your hair like that, man. Huh? Can't wear that shirt. How about if I gave you a checklist of the things of how you wear your hair, how you dress, who you should marry, what you should eat, where you can go. You went to the movie theater, where you can go. All the, how about if I gave you a How many know a, a checklist would be very, very safe? It's like, wow, I kept my checks today. Hallelujah. I said it before earlier, Jesus didn't come to make you safe. He came to have a relationship with you and that you would walk by faith and by the Holy Spirit, not a checklist. This guy, he goes through his checklist, and then look at his response. It's it's, it's pretty powerful. His response, the young man says, all these things I have kept from my youth. Really? Come on, really? Liar, liar, pants on fire? You think that he's never lied? You think that he's always honored his mom and dad? Come on, young people. You've always, have you always honored your mom and dad? Come on. Come on. That he's loved his neighbor as himself? 
I think he's a liar. I think he's cocky. I think he's arrogant. I think he's absolutely self-righteous. And Jesus sees through this whole thing. He sees through the whole situation with this man. But what's very, very vital is that he goes through the checklist and then he says these words. He says, what do I still lack? Though he had his checklist, though he was trying to do everything, I think, in his own strength, there was something still, listen to me, still missing in his life. There was a, I think there is inside the heart of every, you, me, you, everyone in here, there is a void, it's a God void. You can't fill that God void up with a sport, with a ball, with a car, with a sex, with a porn. You can't fill it with a, a money, with a job, with, you can't fill it. Anytime you fill it, it creates a vacuum and it sucks. And the more you fill that void, the more that it empties and you go, man, it ain't working. Why? Because it's a God void. And the only thing that can fill that area is Jesus. It is. And this guy, he's got, hey, I did this, 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 I did I'm young, I'm rich, I'm powerful, but I'm still lacking. Still lacking. That, that, that may be you this morning. Mark breaks it down a little bit differently. He says this one scripture that Mark, two scriptures Mark says. Mark says out of 10, 21, 10, 20, and 21, he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Look what Jesus does. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Loved him. Tell your neighbor, loved him. I love this because it's like Jesus is like, hey, man, I love you so much. I can't leave you jacked up the way that you are. Loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up your cross and follow me. Now, why do I say this young man almost was all in? Because look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. These interns right here, they're in an internship under Craig for nine months. They're going to learn the word. Man, they can go all in. You know what I'm saying? Prayer. They're in our staff meetings. We prayed over them this week. We prophesied over them this week. I mean, they're all in nine months. This guy had the opportunity to be in an internship under Jesus Christ for three and a half years. To fillet the fish, to, to, to see lepers uh, healed and the dead rise and eyes open and, and all the, he had three and a half years to be an intern under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He walks away sorrowful. Because why? I ain't going all in. What? How? What would be the worth of setting in, a, un, in an internship under Jesus for three and a half years? Wow. 
See, you can't come to church or play church or just follow rules or follow a youth pastor or just follow me or just read and serve. you got to follow Jesus. It's not just about checking off. It's not just about what you wear, what you hear. Come on, it's about a relationship with Jesus. Jesus calls us into a relationship, into a walk of faith, into an all-in lifestyle. Mark Batterson says this in the book All In. Listen to this, he says, The rich young ruler may rank as one of the most religious people in the pages. The text tells us he kept all the commandments. Think about that. He did nothing wrong. But you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. By definition, righteousness is doing something right. We've reduced it to doing nothing wrong. I told you last week the two different sins that we deal with. The sin of omission and the sin of commission. We love to focus on the church of the sin of commission. Hey, brother, I saw you do that. Didn't you do that? Didn't I see you there? It's all about the sin of omission. But listen, God wants to deal also with the sin of omission in our heart. The things we know to do that we don't do. Like, I love what Nate said. These 40 fishermen are fishing on the inside of the deck. Inside of the dock, right? And we'd be fishing on the inside of the church, man. When Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. Come on. It's not always about what we're doing right and wrong. It's also about what we don't do that we know to be right and wrong. I love, you know, Tuesday we had a, a guy drop off the most coolest van to give to the church. And he just said, hey, I was driving by and the, the Lord spoke to me to give that. Doesn't mean that you're all in, all in if you give a van, but I just, I think it's pretty wonderful that he was obedient to the voice of God, that he would do that. He came in with the title and the keys and gave them to Don. I'm like, wow. Let me finish with this scripture. Jesus said to the disciples, talking about this guy, Surely I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. says, who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Look what Peter said. I love Peter. His, his mouth was shaped like this. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all to follow you. To me, as Peter said, Hey, gee, we are all in, baby. All in. He does this again. Therefore, what shall we have? And Jesus, he, he shares with them. This is what he says. So Jesus said to them, Surely I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me also will set on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what you're going to get in the future. But he also addressed in the moment. 
Jesus also said this about those who have forsaken all, who was all in. He says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Have you went all in? The rich young man. Almost. He pulled back. And he missed the most exciting time of his entire life. Could have walked with Jesus under the incredible internship of Jesus. And because of some possessions, his unwillingness, he missed the mark. Are you all in? We stand to your feet this morning. You know, when I was a bodybuilder, my goal, I'm about five foot six and a half. Pretty tall, huh? Five foot seven, pushing it. My goal was to be 275 pounds. Just wanted to be a freak. I got up to 220. Why would I do that? I just got kind of got a personality of all in. You know what I'm saying? I have to watch that. But you know what? I just don't want to read about Noah and Peter and those in the Bible, the Esthers and the Ruths and the Shadrach, Meshach and the Bendigotes and, and the Jacobs and, and the, the, the Isaacs and the Abraham. Those who have had all these all in moments. I don't want to just read about them. I want to live it. Hey, the, the message has not changed, church. The Great Commission is not the great suggestion. It's not changed. What Jesus has challenged me and you to, to go all in, it's not changed. And I just challenge you, me, kick my own teeth in this morning. Because I think it's an everyday challenge for us to shh, push all in. Kind of a daily choice, amen? You bow your head as we close.